I went back to school to learn how to do ABA therapy, which was the very first thing that brought all of us together. And it led to the creation of Works of Wonder Therapy and this podcast and YouTube channel. And we hope you enjoy it. This is Beth, Dr. Beth Long with Works of Wonder Therapy, and we are so excited to share with you um, just tips and tricks on how to bring out the best in your child and help them be all that God created them to be. And this podcast is for is designed for every family and every child, um, no matter the disability or diagnosis or or anything. This is for every family and for every child. And we are so excited to to be doing this. This is our first podcast. And on our podcast are all of the clinicians at Works of Wonder Therapy. So tell us about yourself. <laughs> Good deal. I'll go ahead and start. My name's Carson Watley. I've been a behavior analyst for a year and a half now. Uh, I was initially drawn to the field because of the different strategies and tools that uh, enable us to be able to help children and their families. And consequently, the more you learn about behavioral science, you can apply it to your adult life as well. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Anna, and I've been in the field um, of ABA for six years. And I helped you, Dr. Long, open up Works of Wonder two and a half years ago. Um, it's been fun. And, and hard. <laughs> very hard. Rocky Road. Um, and the, my fate, my favorite part about this field is being able to develop the relationships and the rapport with the families and, and the children and being able to see them grow. And like you said, into the way God made them to be and get to see them excel every day with small successes that their, their parents didn't realize that that was so important for them i guess mm-hmm. um but it's just a really rewarding job what about you yeah so my name is simone um i got into the field of aba in 2019 and i've been a bcba for two years um my favorite thing about our field is just being able to see kids accomplish things that they're often told or parents are often told that they'll never be able to do um, so just being able to be a part of that is awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. Very much. My journey into the field of ABA was a little different. I was, in 1998, I graduated with my undergrad in psychology, and I started in the field of psychology, but if you have an undergrad degree, you basically have a napkin. Nothing. nothing. <laughs> so, um, a piece of <laughs> so I was a kind of, of just watching other people do what I wanted to do one day. And... Um, the field of traditional psychology that most of you are probably aware of, like counseling and testing and all of that, um, is is created under um, – it was kind of put under the biomedical model so that insurance could pay for it, which is basically you have a list of symptoms, you go in and you um, tell the professional about it, and they create a diagnosis, and then they sometimes prescribe medicine, sometimes um, have – kind of some treatments or some good suggestions, but but it's very just symptom-focused um, instead of really looking at, I, I want to say, almost the whole child. Mm-hmm. It, right. it doesn't look at the whole child. And so um, when we were foster parents and we were, were kind of 
I was for the first time in my life, I was on the other side of that field. And they made me really angry. And so I had a friend who had had a child that had been through ABA. And she said, I think you need to go look into this. And and I loved it. And so I went back to school to learn how to do it. And ABA is very much focused on um, it's very, very, very individualized. Mm-hmm. And it's focused on what are is this particular person's skill deficit. So let's look at the example of anxiety in traditional psychology and the anxiety in ABA. So anxiety in traditional psychology would, would be um, let's teach some coping skills like grounding, um, medication, right? Medication mm. would be a big one. Yeah. Um, what are some other things? Just taking a deep breath and, um, and which, right, all of those are fine. Mm-hmm. But we look at it very much as a skill deficit. So so if a child comes in and they're anxious and I say, well, let, let's talk about what makes you anxious. And they say, none of the kids at school like me. Well, Okay, there, there's. We got to explore. Is it because you don't have great social skills? And if you don't have right. great social skills, let's look at that. Mm-hmm. Or I, um, I'm trying to think of another good example of. That was such a good example. That you, you <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's just leave it there. So, yeah. so, so we actually look at the the skills, the individual child, the skills where their deficits are, and we help them fill those deficits, which in turn decreases anxiety. Right. So it's it's almost like it goes to the root problem, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's what I love about ABA. That's, that's really what cool. I love about it. I think that it's the best part about ABA is all of the tools that you would use to accomplish those goals that you just described. Um, for me, my favorite, because it's really just a fancy name to explain something that's pretty simple that we all have done our whole lives, mm-hmm. which is the pre-MAC principle. Um, also called Grandma's uh, Law. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Simone always reminds me it's the Grandma's Law because typically you find a grandma saying, okay, well, do you want a cookie? You have to clean up this mess first. Mm-hmm. The pre-MAC principle is basically that in order to get something that you want, there has to be something before that that constitutes work of some sort. Um, it can be contrived where we say, you know, hey, kid, do this homework and you get to go play outside. Mm-hmm. It can also be natural where if you clean your room, you're not going to trip over your toys anymore. Right. Um, so it's a very – it's something that can apply to our children and to us as well. Um, so, for instance, <laughs> we had a kid that we were teaching tracing. I believe we were tracing the alphabet, and he refused to do another letter. He was like, I'm done. So we have this really, really cool upstairs area mm-hmm. at our clinic. Zip lines, slides, obstacle courses. When no one's looking, I go up there. It's great. <laughs> so, so I get it. The kid wanted to go play up there. So what we did was start from a very, very contrived uh, circumstance, which was you trace this one letter. We get to go upstairs and play for three mm-hmm. minutes. And what do you know? The letter got traced, and we got to go upstairs and have fun. Um, and a lot of people would call that bribery, and I could see why. But there has to be a plan in place that goes after that. Mm-hmm. So at some point, he's going to be tracing, let's say, the whole alphabet for a minute upstairs mm-hmm. or not even upstairs, maybe just the promise of, well, if we do this three times, you have the option to choose upstairs or something else that you like. So there's a plan in place to make it more natural to get to that point where we're doing the work just for the natural consequences, but you have to start in a contrived scenario like yeah. that. Yeah. And then in six months, what is that? 
What does that look like? Why, why is the child completing the task? Because we've done it systematically, step by step. So we start with, again, the we'll say tracing one letter for three minutes of playtime. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So to love, go I'd from <laughs> to go from one letter to let's say ten, and then fade the reinforcement, or in this case, the reward down to maybe two minutes Mm -hmm. over time that goes to 15 letters in one minute or now 15 letters and you can choose the minute or an M&M. I would choose the (laughs) (laughs) M&M. So that's kind of how that works. Over time, it's systematic like that. And eventually the child gets to where they're they're doing it just for the satisfaction of completing Completing. the task. Uh, And they're right. They're really just proud of themselves or showing off their work or Mm -hmm. all that. And they love it. It builds pride, I think. Once you build skills in children yeah. in this way, they suddenly realize, oh, I like accomplishing things. Mm-hmm. And that's right. really what we're trying to target is achievement rather than you have to do this because you have to do it. Yeah. We have to teach them that achievement is worth it. And it does right. build their confidence level up, too, because I know mm-hmm. that often they lack that in so many different ways. Right. right. My favorite thing about ABA is what we call positive reinforcement, which is you add something so that you add something to the behavior so it will most likely increase in the future. So, for example, um, one of our clients um, will run down the hallway and bolt from you and instead of the first response for parents will they'll more than likely say hey don't do that don't run down the hall Mm -hmm. this is like not what we do take them back give them a lecture however we teach it from a different standpoint where we bring the kid back and we praise them for appropriately walking Mm -hmm. and let them know like hey great job walking and we just don't even acknowledge the running and they're more likely like you said to they they want to earn that reward and that positive praise and so the more you do that the more likely they're going to obey and listen to the direction of just walking down the hallway what you described is it's less reactionary so it's not like the kid does it and then we react in some reprimanding sort of way right it's a it flips that on its head where he's earning the positive reinforcement right and Again, back to achievement. Right. And I think, I mean, a lot of parents may be listening to this going, oh, you're you're teaching them to be people pleasers or you're teaching this. And that that's not at all what we're saying. Children are just naturally externally motivated. Mm -hmm. They they just are. And so it takes a lot of work to get them to be internally motivated, to be proud of themselves Mm -hmm. or or to do it because because they want to do it. And Mm so so it's it's more about that. It's, It's more about just helping them understand the joy of accomplishment, right? right? I think Mm -hmm. we all love accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, for sure. Um, Yeah, one of my favorite things in our field is called shaping, and that's basically taking successive approximations, which are just smaller steps of one bigger step, um, and breaking it all up, and then reinforcing them as they... um, engage in like the step by step. Uh, so I had a little girl that loved her therapy room, refused to leave it. If I tried to get her just to step a toe outside of the room, she was flopping on the floor and tantruming <laughs> and screaming at me. Um, so what I did was she loved nacho cheese Doritos. 
Gotta love those Doritos. <laughs> I know. And it had to be nacho cheese. It could not be any mm-hmm. other flavor. Um, and so I would break them up into little pieces, and then I would get her just to step outside the room and then reinforce her. And then after a lot of repetitions of that, we would walk two steps, and then I'd reinforce her. Then we would walk three and four and five. Um, and a few months later, we were walking laps around the clinic, and she was very, very happy. So. And I emphasize months. months. Yes, <laughs> months. It takes a long time sometimes, and so you have to be super patient and consistent. And were you giving her the Dorito even if she was crying? Yes. As long as she was walking, even if she was hitting me and screaming, she still got a Dorito. Right. Because we we teach, and it's probably the biggest thing we correct even in our staff, is is what we call periphery behavior. I tell parents it's junk behavior, but... um, the behavior we wanted to see was the step. Mm-hmm. The junk behavior was the crying. Right. And so many times parents and our staff will get distracted by the crying and not want to reward. But but we have to reward the behavior we want to see. And right. honestly, about, mm, I'd say a good 95% of the time, that junk behavior just naturally goes away on its it own. It does, yeah. Every once in a while it doesn't. And it takes a little more work. <laughs> but about, seriously, about 95% yeah. of the time it goes away. It goes away. away. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing about ABA is the functions of behavior, and it's my favorite thing because it completely was contradictory to everything I had been taught in my more traditional field of counseling psychology um, because the functions of behavior follows the rule of parsimony or Occam's razor, which just basically means we have to rule out the simplest explanation first. Mm-hmm. And in the field of um, traditional psychology, I, I don't I hope that's appropriate to say. Traditional so. psychology, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Cognitive, maybe. Uh, yeah, just something that everybody's more aware of, probably, mm-hmm. than ABA, is um, is that we, we, do, we do what we do because of one of four things. And, um, and it took me about six years to truly, <laughs> truly agree with this theory because I had always been taught there about so much more going on in the mind and all that. Um, but I, but I saw it, I saw it play out repeatedly. I saw it change behavior effectively. And I thought, okay, I, I give in, I agree. This is true. <laughs> so the four functions are escape, attention, access, and sensory. Mm-hmm. And, um, the most complex is sensory. Yeah. And um, and there is a little bit of debate in the literature about a fifth function right now called control. And we'll discuss all of these. So mm-hmm. attention is when we do what we do because we're seeking attention. Mm-hmm. So um, the best case scenario is a cute little girl who's like dancing around the room going, mm-hmm. look at me, look at me. Right. That's mm-hmm. obviously right. attention. <laughs> um, the worst case scenario is when, when we have a kid who runs around the room and just is super Next. destructive with everything right. or hits people or um, give you the look of do you see it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And when we are when we're assessing is it attention or something else, it, it we do look for are they looking at us? Yeah. Or if they or if we put them in a room by themselves, are they still doing it or mm-hmm. they um they only do it when we're watching. Right. So um what we really try hard to teach parents to do is give lots and lots and lots of intentional positive attention for neutral to positive behaviors. Mm -hmm. And when you see a negative behavior, just stop it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of parents, I mean, I was very guilty of this myself, but when your kids are playing quietly, you're like, oh, good. I got got stuff I have to do. (laughs) And you kind of ignore them. And then the minute they misbehave, they get 100% of your attention. Mm -hmm. So we want to just kind of swap it around so that they get the attention when they're doing the right thing. And then they just 
right? You're not going to ignore negative behavior. You're right. going to stop negative behavior, but you're not going to stand there and give them 30 minutes of a lecture. First of all, nobody ever learned from no. a lecture anyway. Yeah. And second of all, we want to give attention to the right thing. Right. The second acts this the second function is escape and escape is when um a a child or an adult or anybody um doesn't want to do what you want them to do so they engage in a behavior to get you to stop making them do it (laughs) and so this can be anything from running away yelling no um Falling on the floor. Like a lot of times, feigning sickness. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. Or I need to, go, need to, to go to the bathroom. bathroom. Yeah. Falling asleep. Yeah. Yes. Falling asleep. Yes. <laughs> we haven't met several kids who just pretend to fall yeah. asleep. Yeah. In the yes. initial assessment, I asked him a question and he looked at me and went, <laughs> I was like, he's, we lose. He, yeah, he's and they peek their little eye open. Yeah, like, see, see. see. Yeah. Um, or my favorites are. I mean, it can look really positive. It can. Mm-hmm. It can look like, oh, can you give me a hug? Uh-huh. Or I really need a snack. You're or, so pretty. You're so pretty. Which I love you. Is gonna get me every time. <laughs> it does. In fact, it gets you it gets every, every time. Um, so what we do in those situations is every single time we place a demand, we we physically follow through. Mm-hmm. So physically following through doesn't mean I smack them upside the head because they didn't do it. It means I, I gently take them around the, the shoulders or I pat them on the back and say, come on, buddy, we're going to go to the bathroom or we're going to go write our letters or um, about, I would say, a good 85% of the time, if I can get a child physically going in the right, right. direction, I'm, they're going to be compliant. Yeah. It's the stopping and turning that they hate. Right. Um, or sometimes we have to reduce the demand a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yes. so if, if the demand is originally clean your whole room, which let's let's be a little realistic <laughs> about that. It's huge, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. right, older children are able to do that. Younger children are not. But um, if I say, "Come on, buddy, I'm gonna I'm gonna come with you to clean your room, and I just need you to pick up the blocks. I'll pick up the." whatever else, I don't know, clothes, Um, then then that's a way we would handle escape, which I love that from the traditional counseling psychology side also because that builds attachment and bonding and your child knows they're on your side. And I love that as opposed to this separation and voice raising. Mm -hmm. So even if you are doing what we call hand over hand or physical prompting, so this would be grabbing their wrist and making them pick it up mm-hmm. that's still attention that they're right. getting from their parents right right right, so, I mean, right it's something it's it's going to be rewarding in some kind of way right and i um i always tell parents when you're doing that the whole time even though right we know you're not stupid you're doing it for the child yeah. right um i'm we're still praising the child we're not going i can't believe you're making me do this because because the goal is we want them to do it on their own. Right. And so we encourage the behavior yeah. and kind of ignore the junk behavior. Yeah. Um, the third, the, uh, we'll do sensory next. The sensory is tricky. And this is a very, very, I mean, just brushing on the surface mm-hmm. definition of sensory. Um, this gets its own five episodes. Yes. It does. It really does. And we will <laughs> we will bring in Excel and, and help them uh, explain it. But uh, it, it's, it's very tricky. But it's basically a child engages in a behavior because it feels good to them mm-hmm. or they avoid something because it doesn't feel good to them. Yeah. So, so they engage in a behavior like... Um, we all have good sensory behaviors. My, I twirl my hair a lot, Mostly like my I'm knees yeah. three years right old. Now. I know. Okay, yeah. Bite my nails. 
Oh, mm. yes, yes. Um, right? Some people bite their cuticles. That's a sensory behavior. So so yeah. it's just they do yeah. it because it feels good to them. And so um, we, we have to help find more productive ways to, for them to get that that good feeling mm-hmm. um, without doing something that, that may possibly be harmful. Like we have several kids who, who bang their heads repeatedly yeah. just because it feels good to them or bite themselves good. because it feels good. Yeah. So we have to replace that with a, with just a, a more productive behavior that can last lifelong. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if we have a child who's avoiding something because it doesn't feel good, then we kind of desensitize them to it. So um, if we have a child who doesn't want to be around other people, mm-hmm. um, then, then we slowly move them into being around other people like Simone worked on. Um, or we, if they don't like loud noises, we expose them to loud noises for just a little while and then yeah. go take a break. Mm-hmm. But no matter what we're doing, we're always extremely encouraging, always kind, always positive. And, and eventually they, they kind of become desensitized right. to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But once again, that's a super, super, super brushing of the surface of sensory <laughs> behaviors. Um, the last function is a, is access, mm-hmm. and access is my favorite one to talk about because I kind of just tell parents this is your secret weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the way most traditional households are set up, I, I don't want to say traditional because it's definitely not traditional. No, um, the way most American households are set up today mm-hmm. is that children have free access to everything, and then they get in trouble, and somebody comes in and. Takes, takes it, it all, all away. away. Takes it away. Exactly. <laughs> Jerks it out of their hand. So, um, so what we do is we help parents understand you, you have to set your house up so that your children have to ask you for everything. They have to earn everything. I'll explain that in a second because it's not as bad as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it, when they get things, it's theirs for just a little while and then it goes back away. Mm-hmm. And you use that to help them learn as much as possible. Right. So a lot of parents, I feel like we kind of have this lie going on in the American culture today that we're helping kids be independent by just letting them go get their own snack. Or mm-hmm. and, and so when we say you need to make them ask for a snack, we're not even saying that you go get it and prepare it. You can still do that. That's independence. But mm-hmm. they do need to ask for it for so many reasons. Right. It, in, it increases their ability to communicate. It increases their ability to think and plan. It increases their opportunities to bond with you as a parent and for you to meet their need. And when we don't, we're just bypassing all of those things when children yeah. have free access. So um, so then we use that access and the pre-MAC principle. Mm-hmm. Um, they go together a lot. So go ahead. While you're teaching the kid that, if they have to earn something, that's establishing that pattern in their life. If I want something, it's not just going to be there. It's not going to get taken away if I do something wrong. It's I have to earn it myself. Right, right, so right. It establishes right. that early on. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, which is truly, right, how the real world works. It right. doesn't work like I don't move into a million-dollar house. <laughs> right. I wish it worked that way. Yeah, me too. That'd be amazing. <laughs> or I don't I get a paycheck and then you come in and take a dollar away. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I might even like that. Yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> Um, so, so, so we use the pre-MAC principle with it by, by doing things like if you brush your teeth, then you can watch a little TV. Mm-hmm. So, so they ask to watch TV, throw in the pre-MAC principle, um, and it, everybody's just happier. Right. And, and everything can become a productive if then, if you wash your hands, then we can have dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do this, and as a lot of it is just in the tone of your voice, mm-hmm. like, um, if you were going to watch, play a game after dinner anyway, or watch TV after dinner, anyway, it can be like, oh, 
eat that spinach, then we can go play Legos or, you know. And ignore all the, oh. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes, because there's some foods I'm going to do that on. (laughs) I hate celery. Um, Oh, Oh, sorry. Like, I really hate celery. (laughs) That access is truly the parent's secret weapon, but access is is the most productive. And if you use access correctly, it really does set them up for Mm -hmm. success in life. Um, My husband taught our children kind of the mantra, hard work gets the good rewards. And... They, they, everybody still says it in our house <laughs> yeah. all the time. So, um, so that's access. The fifth one, like I said, is kind of in a debate right now, mm-hmm. and it's control. And if you've ever lived with someone who um, just has to be in control, or you've had a boss or a coworker, mm-hmm. then you understand it's it's its own beast in and of itself. So the yeah. debate is is control all of those functions together, or is it its separate one? Mm-hmm. I completely believe it's a separate one. Yeah, yeah, I so agree with you. <laughs> and if you've seen it played out, it is. Yeah. It's definitely it's uh, in the research they call it multiply controlled. So in other words, it's a combination of all the Mm -hmm. functions or some of them. But I don't think we know for sure because I'm I'm with you. There's got to be there's something else to it. Mm -hmm. And in working um, in your clinic, which is you know has the ABA side and the cognitive side still, we've come across a lot of clients with ADHD and a symptom that they typically have is wanting to control everything from the environment and what their peers are doing Mm -hmm. all the way to if they're playing a game and they lose to them it's the end of the world because they lost control of that situation and that's something i hadn't seen before until working you know at this clinic so Mm -hmm. right and lots lots of gotta be something yeah and lots of trauma kids have it Mm -hmm. um kids who are anxious kind of have it but it helps being in control helps them feel safe and so we have to we just have to help them understand there's times you can be in control and there's times you can't. And yeah. you have to be okay with both. Mm-hmm. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, yeah. which is awful. <laughs> Not a good feeling. And no. life. And life, right? We all had to learn how to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share it with your friends, um, any teachers you know, grandparents, anybody who you think the information may benefit. Also, please feel free to comment or leave questions below. If you liked it, please click like, subscribe, or the bell. And we want to thank Vaughn Forest Church for hosting and recording and doing this podcast. And I'm just happy to say they're my home church. And (laughs) we hope everyone has a great day. Be kind and honest because it works wonders.